0: Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of health IT interviews with top leaders in healthcare IT, and today is a, a guy that I just completely respect and is one of the most innovative and interesting people in healthcare IT. And it's Scott Ferguson. He's CEO at Aesto Health. Welcome, Scott.
1: John, thanks for having me on. Um, likewise, and respect is mutual. Uh, I think we've known each other for a few years now, and uh, I feel exactly the same way about everything that you're doing in healthcare. So thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, it's funny, the last time we talked, I don't know if you remember, but one of the houses down the street from me was on fire, and I got a text that said, hey, is your house all right, or is it on fire? And I, had to, I don't know if you remember that, but hopefully we don't have any fires
1: today. I, I wouldn't have been able to call it from scratch, but now prompted, I do remember, because <laughs> it's one of the only, like, when does that ever happen? Like, well, how did the meeting get interrupted? Well... There's a fire, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, <laughs> well, we're, we... we're a little more relaxed and no fires today.
0: Exactly. Hopefully. So, uh, for those that don't know about you and Aesto Health, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company.
1: Sure. Well, um, I've been the CEO of three uh, internet-based technology companies over the last 26 years, uh, all three of which I co-founded. Um, for the last 16 years... Uh, I've been uh, CEO of a company that's working to solve problems in healthcare with technology. Um, you know, Aesto Health is a, a platform company, not unlike say like a Nabisco or a Procter and Gamble in that uh, we have an array of brands underneath our umbrella and um, um, all of those are centered around the mission of aggregating and securing and simplifying uh, access to healthcare data, and um, we're we're working with those solutions to remove some of the long-standing uh, barriers to accessing or easily access healthcare information um, and healthcare data. You know, with the with the aim to make it a healthier world, because if we have, if we can unlock the data and be make it more useful, then hopefully that uh, creates a more healthy world for all of us.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting you take... I think you define platform different than a lot of health IT companies, which is they define platform as we're going to have the single platform you implement it, we're going to solve all your problems. But I think you see it as, as really more of that brand. I think the comparison to Nabisco is interesting that you have a whole suite of solutions to the problems that Plague healthcare executives. So I think that gives you a really interesting insight because you work with all these healthcare executives to understand what their problems are. And today, you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, a very specific one around healthcare security. What are you hearing these executives you work with say about healthcare security and compliance?
1: Well, you know, um, it depends on what circles you travel in, I suppose. Uh, I think um, when you look at one of our one of our divisions used to be our internal security uh uh, healthcare security and compliance team um it was spun out to be public facing kind of like amazon did with aws and now is available so if you look at that client base and those executives um they're pretty well informed but most everybody struggles with the prioritization i mean Mm -hmm. That's not anything new, right? I mean, pre-pandemic, um, you know, allocating the amount of brain share and uh, agenda space within the executive leadership team for healthcare security and compliance is always being, you know, been a fight to get it up to the top. Yeah. Um, I think all of us know what to do. But sometimes we don't always do what we know right and so really what we hear is that um the, the priorities keep slipping um in the face of you know things that stack up with the pandemic and the priorities of the pandemic are not um are not are not helping the situation
0: yeah I think that's a problem with security, right? I mean, it's always been a problem, as you said, but it's gotten worse in the pandemic and the threats have gotten worse in some ways too, which is I think even more challenging. So how, what do you suggest to healthcare organizations as far as getting leadership buy-in for these security efforts? So, you know, you described, it's a a challenging thing, you know, and I would say without a breach happening (laughs) because interestingly enough, once a breach happens, everyone says, Oh yeah, we should spend on this. Right. But you know, like that's a bad way to lead. So what, what suggestions do you have? I mean, you're a marketer at heart. I know that. And so like, what's the right way to, to market the need to invest in security as a priority.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll go, I'll go one step further and say, uh, marketing is close to my heart. And if you back out one level and go up to the 50,000 view, uh, 50,000 foot view communications, is really my background Um, i'm not an engineer um and didn't study in that i studied mass communications and interpersonal communications back um i won't even mention how far back but um, (laughs) that was my bag and still is and so when it comes to leadership and thought leadership around um, any topic particularly uh, security and um, compliance one of the things you can do is think about scope of authority Mm -hmm. versus scope of responsibility, right? Because everybody on the leadership team um, probably associates the word security with technology. Oftentimes that gets lumped into, you know, um, just the silo of technology. Or if we're talking about healthcare security and compliance, you probably have two silos there, organically and historically, uh, technology and then you know the compliance or the risk management team. And so um, we think about uh, that's on them, right? And what's our degree of responsibility if we're not one of them? Or if we are one of those people that's in a leadership position for one of those silos, how do we begin to break down the silo and create a sense of accountability across the entire leadership group, right? And so one of my key thoughts or suggestions on that point is to say, look, it's not about scope of responsibility. There may be some responsibilities that are still owned by the, uh, the IT and the technology group and the compliance group. It's really about scope of authority. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. So if, if you were to ask yourself, what's my scope of expertise um, as it relates to the topic of security or even compliance. You might not come up with a clear answer if you're some other members, you know, m- m- member of the leadership team. But if you ask yourself, what's my scope of authority as it relates to these two topics, how would that change the, the quality of the answer that you come up with for yourself? Now, if you take it beyond uh, asking yourself that question and like you were talking about, and you're in a breach situation or you've you've had a a breach, and now you've got an appointment scheduled with um, the OCR investigator. What if they ask that question? Did you do everything in your scope of authority to prevent this breach? Yeah. And if you use that framework with each other, you know, uh, lead by example, if you use that framework with each other inside the leadership group, everybody begins to own um, accountability around that. And by owning it, you're going to create more uh, bandwidth in terms of headspace, more attention span paid to that in those executive leadership meetings and whatever the monthly topics are. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're taking me to my my counseling session with my therapist. <laughs> you know, she said, she said to me one time, she said, Kent, what control do you have over this situation? And I thought it was such a fascinating question because often we use that as a, you know, like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't have control. And maybe we should say, oh, yeah, I don't control that. And so I shouldn't worry about that, right? But she was using it in a different way, which I think coincides with what you're saying. She was saying... Are you in control? And I was discovering, oh, you know what? I have more control over this than I thought. And I think that's kind of what you're describing, right? Like security, potential for breaches, I'm scared of it. And what do I have within my scope of authority to help solve that problem? Is that kind of what you're saying? Very much.
1: And you can think of it as what is your circle of influence? Everybody has one, right? Right. And if your circle of influence is not uh, big enough to shift the needle or, or make things happen that you believe need to be happening, how do you expand that circle of influence, right? Or if your scope of authority is at some level um, less than ultimate decision-making or uh, in the group that's making the decision, well, how do you increase your scope of authority? You grab your circle of influence and you expand your scope of authority by getting more thought leadership until you have enough um scale (laughs) in authority um to really to influence the decision or to at least be heard you know leadership's about taking something and owning it yeah Uh, there's a great book called extreme leadership um it's really really awesome talking about look Leadership is not about a title. It's not about a role. It's about do I see something that needs to be done, and what, uh, to what degree am I willing to uh, say I'm going to own that, even if it seems like it's kind of outside my wheelhouse. If I think it needs to be done, I need to own it and affect it in whatever way I can. And so, you know, that's one of the simplest things: is thought leadership, right? Thought leadership doesn't involve any technology. It doesn't involve any dollars or invoices. Um, There's no implementations or installations that have to be done. It's just a matter of deciding, let's be more intentional and how can I influence it? Yeah,
0: I love it. And I, I think that's an empowerment strategy that many of us feel helpless, but we should feel empowered to use what we do have or to go find the power that we need to influence it. I think there's some interesting that, you know, when I look at security and I talk to a lot of CIOs and CISOs, I think there's two approaches that many of them take. They have they take either maybe a fight to win, like let's be proactive in our security strategy, uh, or they might take more of a defensive stance. Let's just keep the bad people out. What do you think the right leadership formula is for security success in healthcare?
1: Um, I'll tell you, the... If you boil it down to one thing, I believe that it's a stance of extreme accountability. Hmm. So many people associate uh, technology with security, and that's certainly part of it. But statistically, um, if you look at um, if you look at the statistics, and I'm not gonna don't nobody quote me on this exact because I think it's like twenty percent or nineteen percent. Um, something around 20% of breaches in the last year were, were, were a result of some uh, failure point in technology. Mm-hmm. Firewall that didn't get locked down, uh, right. antivirus that didn't get updated in time, okay? 37% of breaches were caused by employees. <laughs> Good employees with bad habits, Yeah, right? Not malicious employees, right? So it's a human behavior situation, not a technology situation. And um, what's more, I'm I'm not going to do math. I typically don't do it in public. So I've (laughs) forgotten what my spread is, but about 40%, 39%, the the next biggest, the next biggest tranche of breaches beyond employee cost were business associate cost, right? It came through the business associate. Um, You know, you look at LabCorp and Quest when they had that, I mean, I think everybody probably remembers that healthcare breach, two mega healthcare companies breached in the same week, Uh, I think it was 20 something million patient uh, identities exposed for identity theft, all because um, they were sharing one business associate in common to help them process their payments online. The bad guys went through the business associate and then boom. Next thing you know, both of those mega companies were breached. So when you come back around to it, accountability is what I think is the secret ingredient, uh, not necessarily technology. Doesn't mean that there's not a place for technology, but when you look at what we've been focused on as a healthcare community, as an IT community, over the last, say, five years, Most people have been investing, most groups and leadership teams have been investing heavily in technology, right? They've had the leverage to do that and get the line items on the budget um, because of all the breaches, right? And guess what? It's working. Only 20% or thereabouts are technology. So it's effective. Now we gotta focus, you know, on the lion's share of breaches that are not a result of technology. And that's human behavior, that's thought leadership, and that's intentionality about making sure everybody is accountable. What i mean by accountable is if you take for example imagine we're in a different industry for a minute. Imagine we're in banking. Uh-huh. And let's say uh, our entire employee base uh within our enterprise uh knows that we're in banking, maybe they're bank tellers on the front lines, right? They know as a banker, they've got to provide great customer service and, and care for the customer. They also know the bad guys are trying to get in and they know what's at stake, right? So they have that mentality every moment of every um, customer interaction. They have that moment most of the waking day when they're at work, right? They realize yeah. the gravity of the possibilities in the situation. And what's more, they get probably a disproportionate amount of training, or not disproportionate, but they a relative amount of training for that. Uh-huh. So think about this for a second. Um, the, the dollar value of a medical record, and, and you know, we can all read whatever we want, you can find whatever stats that you want on the internet, right? Yeah, when it's worth a at, lot. Yeah, so like, <laughs> it varies depending on who you look at. But um, the most recent studies that our corporate group looked at and saw said the value of a medical record on the dark web is a thousand times more. Than the value of a social security number today, it's a hundred times more than the value of a credit card number today. So you've got a $1, dollar, about a hundred dollars, $1, a thousand dollars per medical record, right? And you know, take some. Uh, let's take a rural healthcare facility. You know, average record count there, uh, patient count uh, they're responsible for is probably about 19, seventeen thousand to nineteen thousand active patient records at any given time. Uh-huh. That's seventeen million to nineteen million dollar payday for the bad guys. They know it. They have calculated it. Uh, I forget the the pop culture quote of like the the bank robber that got busted and uh, you know somebody interviewed him. Was like, you know, why did you rob banks? And the guy said, because that's where the money was. yeah you know, <laughs> Back yep. in the day, right? But uh-huh. that's where the money is today. Think about this: the a medical record has. Um, is the most dense source of identity theft information of any other file type, most likely, uh, I I certainly haven't found one yet, of any other file type in the US in any other industry, right? It has more information than uh, for for identity theft purposes. It's got more than your mortgage company, than your bank, than your credit card, pick anything else, any other type of account that you have. um, And it's loaded up. It's got stuff that just can't be found anywhere else. And unlike a social security number or unlike a credit card, well, the social security number by itself, right, is not, I mean, it can be utilized. It's, it's part of the ingredient. It's part of the recipe for the bad guys, but it's not a standalone uh, recipe, right? Um, that's why it's worth a dollar versus a credit card's worth 100. But you take a, a credit card number and like, why is it only worth 100? Well, Because it can be turned off, right? Yeah. You can't turn off your address, your <laughs> next to the pin, uh, your employer's workplace, your wife, your spouse's work, all this information that's in your uh, your medical chart, uh, your pharmacy of record, all the things that you've been taking. So here's another thing I really think is important for us as a healthcare community to think about. You know, HIPAA has been with us um, ever since HIPAA happened. Um we been conditioning ourselves phi 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 right and that that is the right mantra when we put on our hipaa hat right Right. now phi is about protected health information and about privacy
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right letter of the law so to speak yep and these cyber attacks I mean, that's our biggest concern in security when we're talking about security. Cyber attacks are about identity theft, right? So we have to change our mode of thinking that, you know, the hackers don't care why Mrs. Jones was at your facility last week, last month, last year. They're not gonna blackmail Mrs. Jones. All they wanna do is get a bolt dump of that patient, those patient records and they're gonna turn around and they'll move that entire, they're not even using them for themselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. What's important is do your employees recognize this, right? Mm. Have we talked about the dollar value of a medical record with our staff? Um, And we talked about it within our our, uh, executive leadership team. So here's another concept. Again, thought leadership. And I've borrowed this blatantly from pretty much every military organization on the planet since the dawn of time. Um, It's three words, embrace the suck. (laughs) I love it. Picture the Marines or the Navy SEALs or whatever group that you can associate with the Army. Uh, My nephew's at West Point, shout out to West Point. Uh, So, but picture, you know, some of these Things that come to mind, you, you, you see the guys like holding these telephone, poles, guys and gals holding these massive telephone poles and like having to yes. swim on their suffering in the ocean, <laughs> right? Well, that concept says, We're going to go embrace, you know, we're going to create the worst case scenario in your mind that we can in a training condition so that you can go ahead and go there and think about worst case scenarios. Because if you can think about the worst case scenario with yourself among your leadership team and among your employees and embrace the suck, what is the worst case scenario, right? Then you can find leverage with that outcome. Mm. The more you can associate um, personal uh, personal pain, I don't know word, any other yeah, word. To, yeah. Even risk. Yeah, like as a leader, right? whatever your leadership role is, or as uh, as an employee, if you can impress upon them um, that bit, the more leverage that you have with yourself and with your organization to pay attention to it. It's thought leadership. Here's, here's something that's so simple. Thought, like words matter, okay, mm-hmm. words matter. And here's what I mean by thought leadership. It doesn't have to be highfalutin, philosophical, we gotta have you know, slide decks and lunch and learns and (laughs) no, choose your words intentionally. So many times we're all walking around. We, you know, particularly in healthcare IT, right. Um, We, we speak the words that we all um, have become accustomed to and it, it takes the sting out of it. Right. Mm. Let me give you an example. How much words matter. Okay. okay. If I say animal, what's your emotional reaction to that? All right. If I say fish, what's your emotional reaction to that? Okay. If I say shark, what's our emotional reaction to that? Oh, very um, definitely. Another one. Um, if I say, mm, I think you're mistaken, or I think you're wrong. Or, I think you're lying, right? So, change the last word, right? And you have and a, it's different. You have a different emotional response. Why does that matter? Emotions directly influence our behavior and our actions. Interesting. And our actions are what gets the results. So, if you can create a culture inside your organization that stops calling. Uh, you know, the worst case scenario, a possible security incident. (laughs) And you call it a HIPAA breach. Is it easier to have a meeting about HIPAA breach, a potential HIPAA breach and get people to like go, okay, I gotta show up, pay attention to that. Um, Where I came across this concept for incidentally, um, back before pandemic, my family took a cruise right Uh the first thing that you do on a cruise if you've never been the first the very first thing you do the boat pulls off from shore everybody's ready to party or relax or both right (laughs) everybody's ready to get down to it and the very first thing that happens is they sound this horn there goes the dock you're like oh here we go they sound this horn and everybody has to go to a mustard drill yep (laughs) So muster drill is like, um, I don't remember what century the word muster is from, but it means assembly, right? Uh So if they call it the muster drill, I think it's actually 14th century now that I think about it. So muster means assembly. How do you feel about a muster drill? Okay. So what is that really? Well, it's, it's where you go to the lifeboat and they tell you what to do in case the boat is going to sink. Here's what to do with the lifeboats. So you know, you could call it a, a lifeboat check-in or a lifeboat, um, and then you're gonna go, oh, I should probably, you're gonna have my full attention if it's like, we just pulled away from the dock and there's you know, you need me to check in at a lifeboat so you can tell me what to do in case it sinks. I'm probably gonna, you're gonna have my, that's more, that's more powerful than calling it a safety briefing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, well, we've all
0: seen Titanic. So we all know that lifeboats run out. We need to do the drill, right? (laughs) But how you describe it, do I need safety? I feel like I'm pretty safe.
1: (laughs) So using that particular example, um, words matter because they evoke emotions. Emotions create action. And then through actions, you can have more accountability. This is like no dollars, no cents, low tech, no tech, Mm -hmm. Right. Um, just like Brain Tech, and so if it's even more powerful if you can associate those uh, those thoughts and those words to self-preservation, which is what Lifeboat does. Safety briefing, okay, you have uh, I'm probably in, interested in my own safety. Uh, lifeboat drill, I'm I'm very interested at self-preservation. So here's tying it back around. Sometimes I'll pull the train out of the station. It takes me a <laughs> to get back, but I'll come back. So here's what I mean by how can you insert uh, the sense of self-preservation or pain embracing the suck in a worst-case scenario? Well, I did it a minute ago when we were talking about imagine that you've had a breach, which nobody wants to spend any time thinking about anyway. So imagine that you've had a breach and Sarah West uh, from the office of OCR is scheduled to meet with you and your executive team next week to begin the investigation Uh by the way is a friend of mine so that's a real investigator (laughs) but imagine sarah's on her way to your office right okay now let's take it a step further imagine the impact it has on if that bad if the bad guys get into your organization right Mm -hmm. and Now it's a matter of identity theft because we've understood it's not just about privacy and Mm -hmm. (laughs) blackmailing patients, right? That's not where the money is. Right. Identity theft. Well, now imagine that your identity's in the mix. Yeah. Okay. And what might it be like fighting identity theft for you and your family for the next two, three years? What if somebody were to bankrupt you and create financial chaos in your life? What would what would the energetic effort be, of clawing your way back out of that situation? Right. Okay. Now it's personal. Yeah, like, that's interesting I, that you did it personally, not organizationally. Now I care a lot more about security. Um, and uh, see, I just did it myself. I'm guilty as charged. Now I care a lot more about a breach. Right.
0: <laughs> Do you think that people can take it too far though, where it's the boy who cries wolf, right? That, you know, you're, you're, you as leader or CISO or whoever it might be, you know, is like, oh, you're always crying wolf and it hasn't happened, right? Does that catch
1: I, so, up to you? I, I, I think so. Um, and here's, here's a way around that, okay? It, it's not around it, it's, it's, it's not an or, it's an ant. Okay, because a lot of times in life, there's either or this is an and you still got to be that leader if it's your responsibility to remind folks, you know, our responsibilities, et cetera. Imagine this thought leadership again. What if you were to begin to think about how many people do I have in my organization? Let's go back to the rural health care facility and use that as an example. Typical rural health care facility. And I'm using that as an example. Because you know, a minute ago he said, "LabCorp and Quest," mm-hmm. and um, you know, you could take Ascension, or you could, you could take any big, like really large yeah. organization. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they got an army of resources and an arm, you know, tons of you know, millions of dollars to throw at this, right? And quite frankly, if I'm a bad guy, am I going to try to break into Fort Knox, or am I going to go to the local bank? Which am I going to have? You know, so metaphorically there is more or not metaphorically but metaphorically that can translate over to the relative risk of smaller facilities a lot of folks think i'm off the radar mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too small to mess with go back to the stats 17 million to 19 million dollar payday that's a pretty good payday yeah you, you know what i'm saying so so take that uh, type of facility typically uh underfunded Right, maybe there's some federal funding, but typically under-resourced, underfunded. Uh, maybe the Department of One, the Lone Ranger, right?
0: <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe zero security ones, right? right. <laughs> they're, they're double
1: duty. Maybe <laughs> like okay, third party, best case scenario, right? Yep. But most of those organizations have anywhere from ninety to one hundred and fifty. Uh, I'm thinking FQHCs and critical access, awesome. by the way, uh-huh. that's my brain. So um, there are a lot smaller entities that might fit into that club, but that's the, you know, the idea. So if you've got 90 employees, if you've got 50 employees and your responsibility is IT or you know, technology security, what if you thought about deputizing those employees, right? If you were to say, listen, Um, go back to the bank teller model, part of your responsibility here, and you, you enlist the CEO, you enlist HR, the Mm -hmm. security of their problem directly, not necessarily, but let's talk about our circle of influence, right? What's our scope of authority and accountability? You get together and say, listen, we've got to make sure, did, you know, did you know that employees are 37% the cause of breaches last year in healthcare? No, okay, great. Well, now we're on the same page, we're motivated. So how can we change that? Either they're gonna be part of the problem or they could just as easily be part of the solution. You want more resources? You have 50, 90, 150 latent resources, underutilized resources that you could deputize through thought leadership to become part of your team and part of the solution by simply saying, look, this is part of your responsibility and let them know you know their responsibilities are not going to be at the same level as the ciso or the it team right but let them know they have responsibilities that bank tower knows they have certain security yep. responsibilities and they know what they are and they know that the threat is real and they know the gravity of the threat like what's at stake so are the employees informed are they deputized have you given them their specific subset maybe just their little bit away of helping right so If you can get 1% increase in um, or decrease in that statistic about breaches per person, per day, okay, great. What does that add add up to over weeks and months and years?
0: So it's interesting. You kind of shared two things that are, are pretty fascinating from a security perspective. One is thought leadership and, and communicating the impact of the breach. And the second is like empowering your employees. Are those really like the two simplest things a healthcare organization can do? Especially a healthcare organization as you described, you know, in the rural health environment you have extremely limited resources. Huh. Is that the right approach? Or is there other things? I mean, is it about partnerships as well? Or, you know, what else do you see, uh, you know, beyond? You know, I love those two. I think those are simple. Can, you, can everyone communicate this? Yes, you know, with a commitment. And can everyone empower their users to be part of the security team and create that culture? That's something everyone can do. Is that what you see as core to security? Or are there other things that we should think about?
1: You know, I think when we go back to the example of words matter and the silos that we we're talking about really at the very beginning of the conversation, um, the more you can do to break down the silos and increase the scope of accountability and sits respons- of responsibility, the better. So today, healthcare security and compliance yeah. are not separate, right? So one of the simplest, I mean, the simplest things that you can do is think of them as one thing they're so intertwined now, right? Because you've got compliance, which is part of the people problem in the technology. If you can think of it as one acronym, HSC, you know, like EMR, what is that? HSC, what is that? Healthcare security and compliance. It's all one topic, right? The more your organization is thinking of it as one topic, um, the better. Go back to the question because I kind of lost my train of
0: thought. Yeah, so I mean, to me, it's just, it's it's interesting. The communication's valuable, building the culture. You know, I, I, you know, I would actually go back to something you said around um, the idea of partners being a, a massive breach as well. So it's interesting. Our, I, I think you could look at partners a lot of different ways. You could look at them as a breach potential, but you could also look at them as I don't have these resources. There's no way I'm going to recruit a CISO to rural Virginia or whatever, right? Like, so I need a partner to be able to bring it in. How do you see partners?
1: So when, just for clarity's sake, when you say partners, I'm thinking of business associates. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, okay. Yeah. Just making sure we're, we're using that interchangeably. Yep. So with the business associates being an even higher risk for breach points um, than even the employees, accountability there again, right? So here's a couple of other concepts that you can mix into accountability. It's like, how do I hold, how do I hold my business associates accountable? Yeah. I'm I'm having trouble getting around to all my security stuff, let alone checking on them, right? And let's go back to embracing the suck for just a minute. Think about the worst case scenario with a breach. If you start at the worst case scenario, then you can begin to build something that I like to call a breach safety net. Hmm. And um, in the last line of defense, this is, the worst case scenario has happened. Now what? All right, well, we can't undo that, right? The toothpaste is not going back in the tube. So now we gotta deal with it. Uh How well prepared are we as an executive team and leadership team to deal with it? And that's where I think the breach safety net comes in. Um, well, how do you create a breach safety net? What is that? Well, if you have evidence of your security efforts, I like to call it EOV hashtag trademark whatever um, evidence of your efforts. That is what you know. OCR, the public at large, the patients that are affected that you're going to have to notify that's all you got left. right? You've had a breach. Look, did you do everything in your scope of authority to prevent this? Well, yes, I did. And here's the evidence of all of my efforts, right? We, we yeah. did team training on a monthly basis. Um, we held our employees accountable to that training by making sure they comprehended it because we tested them cyclically on all the training, right? We didn't just tell them to go drink some coffee and sign a notepad (laughs) and check the box, right? Yep, exactly. Um, We did fire drills or um, simulated breach incidents um, with, you know, fishing. And we said, okay, we looked at the statistics and any employee that needed remediation, we gave it to them and if they could repeatedly needed remediation we fired them. They were gone. We told them you need to go work in a different industry banking is much safer for you
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um that's evidence of your efforts now here's how this ties back into business associates you can do something as simple as sending a business associate what i call it a, a simple ba security survey yeah once or twice a year it's a good idea You're thinking, okay whoa uh security risk analysis we only do those every so often you're talking about serious money serious time and effort everybody back the truck up stay with me here a second i didn't say a security risk analysis i said a simple ba security survey and that survey might be four questions right and you could put it on your letterhead um and if if you're know the person in charge of security you could probably even delegate this exercise your circle of influence and accountability to whoever's in charge of the business associates right and say hey i know we update our business associate agreements pretty regularly i need you to add this to the mix it's a letter put it on our letterhead maybe you email it too but there's nothing quite like having something you gotta have in front of you that's not in your inbox right so you mail this letter and the first page maybe it's two pages and the first page is like hey Due to the increase in cyber attacks um, in healthcare, I want to make you aware, put you on notice that this is going on, let you know that the highest frequency of breach points and successful attacks that are causing breaches are through business associates. Let me remind you, in case you're not dealing exclusively with healthcare clients, that you are a business associate and here are your responsibilities um, when it comes to that. And by the way, please answer these four open-ended questions on the second page. We expect a response from you. Uh, on such and such date uh, with x words or less so that you don't end up having somebody write war and peace yeah yeah (laughs) and so maybe the second page is like four questions right a lot of white space on the page a lot of white space we're not talking about 20 questions 50 questions 100 Um, first question please describe um, who is responsible for your security uh, and compliance as it relates to um, all of your clients and your dealings. Right. Right. Please describe your um, HIPAA and security training um, that you do with your employees and its frequency. Okay. You know, this is not something that the yeah. IT folks. If they gonna- don't
0: know how to answer this, it's a problem.
1: <laughs> now, if you're the person that received the letter, you're probably going to need to be able to answer this. Right. <laughs> um, uh please describe uh, the last time that you had a uh, third-party security evaluation and what the results were, right? not right. asking them to send the results, keep the binder. I don't need another binder, right? <laughs> how would you describe that? And then, you know, um, lastly, how would you describe uh, your evidence of security efforts? Mm. Now, you're not asking them to provide to provide their evidence. You're asking them to describe it, right? Now, you might say, well, what does that do for accountability? Well, you can see what it might do for accountability. Sure. You might not be clear on how does that create more security for us. We send them a letter, they send us some answers. Are we any better protected? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not any different than when you send them the letter, right? When you get it back. However, you've begun to create evidence of your efforts, right? And what is the most that you can do with a business associate? Well, I sent them this, you know, in addition to the business associate agreement, which everybody does, I sent a simple security survey. Oh, and by the way, I put them on notice that we're going to send this twice a year. And then I expect the quality of their answers to increase over time, right? Oh, what else does it do? Well, you may not know based on the quality of the answers how much certainty you have around their security practices. But I'd be willing to bet you, you would be able to determine how uncomfortable you feel about somebody's answer if it wasn't what you wanted it to be. Yeah, right? For and sure. so you can single those out and go have those heart-to-heart conversations and those kneecap-to-kneecap virtual meetings and say, listen, I'm not comfortable at all. Let's, let's talk about this, because yeah, that's gonna affect our relationship. And hopefully, if you have that conversation, you make meeting notes, you document that you had that conversation, right? There's more evidence of your efforts. You, how, how high can you stack your evidence of efforts? Like, do you have an HSC committee? No, we, we don't. Well, we kind of do. Well,
0: there's- <laughs> he kind of acts as it. We have a privacy
1: officer. Does he know I, that?
0: Does I, she I, know that?
1: <laughs> what a policy. We now have an HSC committee. These are the people on it. This is the frequency at which we meet. Uh, when we meet, we have meeting, uh, minutes, you know, right. from the outcome. Here's what we discussed, here's who was there, who, who, here's what was decided, here's what was reviewed. There's more evidence of your effort. These are like micro steps, right? Because if you can incrementally, that's the other thing that I think we all get so hung up on in healthcare, maybe in any industry, but certainly in healthcare, it's like we've got to take these big, long strides in the race of the endless race of security and defending against uh, the bad guys, quicker steps, faster. I'm a marathon guy, so I relate everything to that. I've done 20 marathons and helped like 12 different people go from couch to marathon. And the secret, the secret that I didn't invent, somebody told it to me, and it's worked for every person I've ever shared it with is you don't run 26 miles, you run one mile 26 times. Nice. And so if you can get the incremental thought process down, I'm like, okay, I need to think about the worst case scenario because that gives me leverage to do take action, mm-hmm. create accountability through as many underutilized resources as I possibly can. Okay, let's start with employees that are the highest breach point. Let's, let's utilize them better. Um, let's create this evidence of effort through simple acts. Like, do we have a committee? Does it meet? Did we make meeting notes? Did I send a survey to the business associates? Even if they get breached, it, it's still going to be on you. It's not going to sure. be on the business associate. <laughs> Sarah West is coming to see you at your facility. They're not. She's not going to see the business associate. But you can say, yep. listen, we've had meetings with these people. Their answers are very reasonable. We've exercised accountability with them. We've put them on notice. What more can I do? And the answer may be, maybe not a whole lot more. You've done everything in your scope of authority. And how does that impact the breach? Well, you're still gonna have to notify the patients that are gonna be victims of course, right? But maybe you don't have to notify the public. Maybe you don't have to notify the media. Maybe you don't have to pay fines. Maybe there's not lawsuits because you've got as much evidence of your efforts. Yeah, it's a
0: great example. I was watching uh, The Crown last night on uh, on Netflix, and uh, it was so fascinating. They had an incident where the EPA of the UK, whatever it's called there, uh, they realized they were going to have this ecological disaster with uh, pollution. And they're like, do we tell them? And he's like, send the letter. They said, no one will read it. That's exactly Regardless, send the letter. <laughs> it is exactly what you're talking about because they're like, we wanted to show that we knew this was happening and the letter was sent. And we, you know, now whether they choose to take actions or not, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting your comment, right? I mean, those are ongoing discussions, but I think it also frames the discussion with your business
1: associates as well. So, yeah, and Scott, and, this is I great. mean, realistically, depending on the amount of business that you do with them, you're going to have some leverage. Right? Yeah. and depending on the size of their organization. And you, know, you might say, well, how am I gonna get the attention of like this larger organization? Well, let's, 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 you know, let's give them the benefit of the, the doubt that the larger the organization, hopefully they're gonna have better security practices and better answers to that quality of question, right? Um, here's one other thing that I think is just like something that we've gotta work, thought leadership, We've got to dispel the idea that, is particularly among the executive team—not necessarily with CISO or, or technology, tech team, but with the executive team as a whole—we've got to dispel the idea that, like, look, our EMRs our, our EMR in the cloud, every system that we have is SaaS. It's, you know, it's safe. It's safe. It's not on me. Not my problem. Not only is it not on me, I am sure given the size of the SaaS company that we use, they are taking ample precaution because it would mean much more to them to have a problem than to us. Look, it doesn't matter whether you own servers, right? Go back to the employee. If the bad guys trick the employee into giving up their credentials, right? And it's SaaS based, right? They don't have to have access to the database. We have an entire division of our company you know, you can use, um, use your powers for good or for evil, right? So we have an entire division or a company that does data conversions when people are changing EMRs and they screen scrape stuff out of EMRs um, when you can't get access to the database, right? Or when the legacy company is just kaput. And, I mean, right. so I have, you know, watched the with technology our- there? <laughs> of like eight windows running concurrently pulling hundreds of patients records out of the system all at once right like you know in a matter of days they've extracted all the patient information and not had to touch the database once you know what they use for good and we were given permission and contracted to but they used the user credentials and login of employees right the end user login right so we gotta get out of the mindset of like, well, that's not on me. It's accountability, extreme, uh, extreme accountability when it comes to, is this on my watch? What will it mean if it happens to me personally? Okay, maybe you don't have enough leverage with yourself about identity theft. What would it mean if on your watch, um, you, uh, well, you know, they're not gonna get my information, but they might just get the patient information. All right, what would it mean? How would you sleep at night How well would you sleep at night? If 19,000 people, let's go back to the rural health community, 19,000 people in your immediate community that you're gonna see at church, that you're gonna bump into at the grocery store, that you live next to just became victims of identity theft for the next however many years because it was on your watch right yeah maybe, a that, maybe maybe that's the conversation to have with the employees to get their buy-in to be deputized awesome
0: scott this was a great discussion a unique conversation i'd say on security we didn't mention firewall or <laughs> or access list
1: or important <laughs> or scanning everybody's like, <laughs> gonna have to hashtag this and upvote it because the, all the algorithms google <laughs> juice and the youtube stuff like none of it's going to be in this conversation, right? There's like none of the tech stuff about security is going to be in there. So we're going to have to spread the, uh, and that's the other thing, man, just like as a community, Mm -hmm. look at how much the bad guys collaborate. Yeah. That is interesting. They collaborate to the nth degree. Look at how much we collaborate. We, we gotta have an idea of like, look, we gotta get the topics out. We gotta have thought leadership among ourselves and, and spread the good ideas and the protection while they're spreading all uh, all the, uh, the hacks that work. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Scott. I appreciate you sharing these insights and perspectives. We'll have to have you back again. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. We appreciate you. And uh, if you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Scott.